0: We welcome you in here to another episode of the Hoop Ball Podcast, part of the Hoop Ball Podcast Network. I'm Damian Barling, along with your host Jill Adge, and our man Bryant West of the King's Herald is with us now. Draft, Google, draft analyst, draft expert, overall just the man uh, with us here. Drake UU is also going to join us. He's a scout, anxious to get everybody's thoughts on the upcoming uh, NBA draft. Let's or, uh, let's let's start like. We've got all night to dig into draft stuff. Ben Simmons rumors are hot and heavy. I need to know where everybody weighs on Ben Simmons as a potential Sacramento King. Jill, talk to me. Where are we at with Ben Simmons as a King. You in or you out?
1: Oh, it very much depends on what's going out. (laughs) Oh, stop it. You
0: you know, it's back. Let's say, let's say Bagley buddy and next year's first.
1: Bagley, buddy, next year's oh, I'd do that. I'd I'd have no problem with that. Um, right
0: you have been just Simmons because kind? I
1: think he's the best. He's the better player you're getting out of any of those, and most likely what that draft pick will be. So I'll I'll end with that.
2: <laughs> yeah, if that's the uh, purchase price on Ben Simmons, sign me up. Uh, it's not, it doesn't take it's, this. I know yeah, it won't it's be definitely not <laughs> the, the, the reported price of those two and like three firsts is when I'm really sweating. Cause you know, I think there's a real chance that wherever Ben Simmons goes next, uh, he's not going to adjust in the way that you really hope he would. But, uh, if the price is buddy healed and Marvin Bagley and next year's first, like those are two dudes who are probably out of Sacramento this summer anyway. Yeah. And uh trading next year's first just really incentivizes the team to make that playoff push. So heck yeah, I'm well in on that one.
0: I have um I have a a place that Ben Simmons could wind up next year and and potentially be a champion. Any guesses? Bueller, 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 Golden State.
2: Yeah, that that's that's one of my favorite landing spots for Ben Simmons, too. Um, I'm a big fan of of surrounding him with as many shooters as possible. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know that the pressure will be quite uh, as much on him on his second championship contender as it is in the city that drafted him and uh, tanked four seasons for him. So I love golden state. That's a good outcome.
0: Yeah. They'd have to be willing to part with Draymond green and kind of move on from that. But you know, I'm sure there are some other pieces involved, but I think it's, it's a perfect landing spot for him you get a solid you get a you, you you still get a good defender back if you're doc rivers it's why it's the buddy healed thing when i think about buddy healed going to the philadelphia 76ers i don't know how that's going to go over with doc like okay maybe you, you got a shooter there you got to space things out with joel and beat a little bit but i don't know that doc is going to go with the, ah oh well he he can't figure out the defense thing i don't think that's going to work joe
1: no no, and his assistant is dave yeager i don't think that's gonna work either but i mean it's but with a team like them talent they'll take talent right so i don't necessarily know how big of a deal the whole dave yeager thing would be but um i think it does play a part into um how everything would mesh together like you can't good luck going to Philadelphia and pulling, you know, the kind of media stuff that you might try and pull here because we're worse, you know, small apples compared to what you'd be dealing with um, from a, a fan base and from a media, you know, and, in, in a bigger market like that. Um, yeah. If, yeah. If
2: Buddy Heald thinks that King's fans give him too much drama, just wait until he's in a major market not even going to be comparable
0: no it's i i wonder sometimes too if people do that stuff here if buddy does that stuff here if marvin does that stuff here because and and I, i can't put this any other like they can like, you can essentially get away with it here. Like, you can't get away with it in other places. You could get away with it here. Other And, of course, there are other NBA towns that you could get away with it. You couldn't get away with this in New York. You couldn't get away with this in Philly. For completely different reasons, you couldn't get away with this in Miami. You know what I mean? There's just places where, yeah, dude, that's not going to fly. Oh, you don't want to – let him like a tweet. You don't want to be here in Miami? Cool. Bye. We don't need you here. Uh, I I feel like they could wind up that 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 stuff happens in Sacramento. It happens in some other places. I don't think it happens in in other locations. Uh, but Ben Simmons is just a backdrop. Norland's Noel. Do we want to weigh in on on Norland's Noel as a p- potential uh, free agency target? Nobody.
2: I no? I, I if uh, if Rashawn Holmes is going to be too expensive for the Kings to re-sign, uh, Norland's Noel is a, a fairly all right, outcome. Um, I think he <laughs> really, really held that me. one, Brian. Yeah, yeah. No, I know it's well, it's very when, much when you a, need to
1: see what's available for centers. Yeah, that's exactly. I mean that's the reason why you see the same teams that are interested in Holmes are also interested in Nerlens yeah. Noel. Like that's yeah. um, especially if you're looking at someone with defense, right? Like he's not necessarily going to give you what Holmes can give you on offense, but I think he would still work fine and a pick and roll and he will give you the defense that this team is looking for.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, once you get outside of a, Rashawn lot Holmes Rashawn a lot Holmes less money and Rishon uh, Holmes and, and Noel, like the center crop in this free agency class is not great, especially for a team that needs uh, a real solid defender at the center position. So um yeah. He's as much a, uh, all right outcome as I think the Kings could get outside of Rashawn Holmes, but man, it would suck to lose another, uh, good player from this team for just nothing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's kind of the, the thing here is when I was looking up all the, the free agents too, and it's, I know we're always saying, like, oh, it sucks to lose guys for nothing. Like, when you look at the list of the free agents that are out there, there's going to be a lot of wing guard players that teams are going to lose for nothing. Like, if you look at a Toronto, like, they very well could lose a Kyle Lowry, right, for nothing. They they might be able to work out a sign-and-trade or something, you know, just because of their relationship. But it it just seems like we say it, but it hurts here because we usually don't have decent talent to actually lose for nothing. But I do want to say like, it's not totally uncommon for guys that aren't restricted free agents that you do. Like there are plenty of teams that are losing free agents. It's just might not be someone who played Holmes role, you know, these last two years that he ended up doing for the Kings. It just sucked that the deal that we signed him on kind of, handicapped us in a way too, um, you know, with with what we can offer, you know, going forward. But I also, as much as it's gonna suck to lose him for nothing, I also don't I'm not totally knocking Monty for, you know, gambling and, and telling Holmes, you know, for the second half of the season, I want you, and we still want to try and make the playoff push for you, for Fox, for these guys that want to get there, right? And have been playing well to try and get there. Um, I know that's not popular in the draft, you know, segment, because, <laughs> you know, you're losing those spots. But I very well, you know, get, you know, from a guy that's already on the team standpoint that, you know, we're going to fight for what we have currently as well. Um, and, you know, but you're taking the, the gamble and the risk that someone's, you know, not necessarily going to pay him. And, and we've seen in recent years when it comes to center contracts, if you're not one of those, I don't even want to say top tier because Holmes has been playing top ish tier, but he's not the, you know, uh, first team, all defense, you know, he's not the Embiid, the. Um, necessary like the Miles Turner the Capella that that we're getting go bear that we're getting these huge you know uh 17 plus million you know dollar deals that you see how many centers get hurt or are you know bouncing back throughout the season cuz we see big men get hurt all the time from the scrums and stuff that you're just not seeing those big contracts go out like they were once upon a time because yes one Wings and guards are getting more because that's the league it is. Um, but teams also don't want to handicap themselves on big men either. when, Unless they are your focal point of the offense like a Jokic or Embiid or something like that. Um, so it's kind of a double-edged it? sword there. <laughs>
2: I would agree with you, and I don't think it's completely off base that Rashawn Holmes could sign the King's Max offer, which I think off the top of my head's like four years, $47 million or something like that. But I would say that him being arguably the best center in this free agency class does make it more of a risk than in normal years where he may yeah. have real competition around him. So
1: mm-hmm. we'll
2: just have to see.
1: Or if it's there was also, another center on the market, right? Like if there was yeah. a, one or two more guys on the market, it'd be completely, completely different. I think, yeah.
0: It feels like there's no one in the front court. Like you read, you you talked about Kyle Lowry. Like there's there's guards all over the place, but you're trying to find a four a five. Hell, even a big three, you, you ain't gonna find it this 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 free agency period which is why monty has got to get really creative because the guy who can right. help change the Kings, it's not in free agency. Like he's got to get, you know, creative and, 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 and scour the markets, scour the yeah rosters.
1: And that is, what's going to be interesting. If teams still acknowledge that, okay, there's not, you know, uh, a huge amount of bigs available, but I'm still not going to go outside my price range you know, that ends up handicapping them, you know, down the line, unless maybe they're already an established team. But I still, I'm still not in favor of paying bigs like that huge amount of money. Like, look what, look what's going on with Bagley right now, right? I mean, he's a number two draft pick. We know he has some talent, but nobody wants to pay him $11 million. Like that's, you know what I mean? Like that, because he's hurt. And so I get that Holmes has been able to play more and he's established and stuff, but I still think it falls back on. Do you really want to pay guys that kind of amount of money when you have the amount of guards and wings and all that kind of stuff um, available? And maybe you wait next year. You say I can plug and play someone and, you know, Mm -hmm. in a year or two, you're going to have more big men available. Like, do you want...
2: If, yeah. I, I would think that if Monty McNair is determined that this is the year the team makes the play in, at least uh, going with plug and play from your center is just a really risky m- move, especially when Rashawn Holmes was probably the third or fourth best king this year. Like going from that to hoping that you find another Rashawn Holmes in free agency to me is a real oh, I risk this season. Yeah.
1: Oh, I'm sure. sorry. Yeah. 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 I meant it's other teams, not just money. saying I'm not going to overpay. Yeah. Um, yeah. that they don't want to get that price tag if they say we don't want to go over what Sacramento is going over. I mean, they could offer them like 13 to 15, and then you're right up with, you know, uh, Valentinus and um, Nurkic contracts, which aren't totally crazy. So, mm-hmm. um, and the Kings can't really do that at this point. So,
0: Well, what they can do, at least we certainly hope they can do, is hit a home run in the draft. Uh, Kenny and I have spent way too much time over on ESPN 1320 (laughs) going through past drafts, 2018, 17, 16, 15. We went through all of them. And amazingly, we still couldn't land an all-star on the Sacramento Kings we would keep finding ourselves one <laughs> player short now the now i to be fair of how the 2018 worked we i allowed Kenny to make that pick on his own like we each picked that draft the idea with 2018 was we would pick until marvin bagley was selected um and then each of us would have a pick and that's how we go he had the number 2 pick and he loves Michael Porter Jr. And he has hell bent on Michael Porter Jr. being a king, so he selected Michael Porter Jr. over Trey Young. Now Trey technically wasn't an All Star, even though I think he was invited, and he said no thanks, I'll I'll pass. Um, but we went through these draft after draft, and we you land some good players, Karis Levert. You land you land some solid guys, Jared Allen. I think was in there somewhere, but we couldn't, you know. We lost the Aaron Fox in the process, you know, there's all sorts of things that happened. You go, man, even in hindsight, drafting is really, really difficult. And we have one season of Monty McNair, and obviously, we couldn't be more thrilled with the selection that he made, and so whether he's doing something in, in in terms of trading, whether he's doing something in terms of free agency. Uh, unless he's getting rid of that pick, he has to hit another home run here in this upcoming draft. So, so Jill, I want to start with you. What would a home run selection be for you for Monty McNair two weeks uh, from Thursday?
1: At nine or making a trade? At nine. No, no, no. At <laughs> nine. Like, if he has run. to
0: pick at number nine, if he has to select know, a player in that player...
1: I don't know. I have like a bunch of guys at nine that I can just gave you the people's
0: (laughs) Brian just gave you the people's eyebrow. I think there's, I think there's a player at nine. I I mean,
1: if Moody's available, I think that's your, your best bet. But I mean, I I don't know
0: whether he'll be available.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I just, because he's worked out with the warriors, he's worked out with the magic. He's worked out with all the teams above us and below, you know, below us. So like, I don't, I don't know what the Kings have discussion wise with him, but I know he's at least gone and worked out based on his, you know, Instagram stories. He's always, you know, putting up the locker rooms and things like that, that he's visiting. So, um, you know, it's Charlotte, uh, um, Orlando Mm -hmm. warriors, like, you know, the teams around us, he's visiting. So it's hard to know if he is available, but if he's available, that would be my, my, my target.
2: Right. Yeah, I completely I completely agree with Jill. Uh, Moody's my favorite um, realistic outcome for the Kings. I agree with her that there is some risk that um, the best 3 and D player in this draft is going to be drafted before Sacramento at 9. But, um, you know, if he's there, he, to me, represents the best uh, safe outcome and high ceiling. I think his ceilings get a, a little underrated um he's long and strong enough to play either wing spot he's a very capable shooter he's a good rebounder for his position has strong defensive instincts and timing I think he showed that even on nights when his shot wasn't going he could impact the game at a high level on defense and get to the line a ton um I don't necessarily know that I would even call him a home run pick uh, and I say that as like the king of the Moses Moody fandom in Sacramento, but he flashed enough off of the dribble pull up at Arkansas. And I mean, he is just 18 years old. So I don't think it's impossible that he takes a big leap in shooting ability and surprises us with some creation growth. But like I said, to me, he's both a really safe bet to provide a pretty immediate impact while also having an underrated ceiling. And to me, the real conversation at nine isn't so much can the Kings get a home run pick? Because I think there's a real case for like 10 dudes at this pick. The question to me really is how patient the Kings will be with this number nine pick. Um, Because if they definitely want somebody who's going to provide immediate 20 minutes a game, Uh, There's a couple of guys, Moses Moody being one of them, but there's also a whole bunch of dudes who I know Jill's a big fan of a couple of them who probably won't be immediate contributors next year. And I hate to use the patient word in Sacramento because I all know we're all sick of that damn word, (laughs) but like Zaire Williams, Kai Jones, Alperin Sengun, there's a bunch of dudes who in a year and a half could be real difference makers on this Kings team. So it really comes down to how patient are the Kings going to be?
0: Yeah. yeah uh, 100%. Uh, how patient will the organization be? How patient will the fan base be? Yeah. I, 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 I All of the above. Yep. Yeah. And
1: Drake's, <laughs> Drake will be on in about five minutes, but I know he mentioned this on on your radio show as well, um, that he doesn't, you know, obviously from working there, uh, he wasn't, that was part of his thing was yeah. he's not sure, you know, decision maker and who's, who's going to be able to, to be patient there. Um, and that's, that's kind of the hard thing right now is, um, and I know Mo was saying it on the the podcast with you guys yesterday is that she's like, I'm the queen of patience. And now (laughs) she's, she's out of patience. So it's, I I think you're going to see too, as the season goes, it's going to be hard where it's 15 years in. It's like, I mean, it's, you know when you have fox starting his his first big year and you have depending on that's who's still on point. the roster depending on who's still on the roster you have some already kind of wavy waters that you know if things start going south like how patient are are people going to be with that kind of stuff too that it's um i don't envy the the spot that, <laughs> that these guys um are in at this point but that's why they make the big bucks so they you know he it's- know took the job what what it was going to entail so
0: and that's a great point about De'Aaron is we we talk about you know the the organization's patience in, in 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 developing a draft pick the fan base's patience in this team you know finally becoming competitive how about De'Aaron Fox's patience I understand that he's as you know to Joe he's entering the first year of that big contract but it's not like a Marquee player has not gone to a franchise and said, Yo, this ain't working. Now, I certainly don't expect anything like that from De'Aaron this year. I'm saying at some point, what'd you say about Mo, the, the queen of patience? At some point, everybody's patience yeah. run out, runs out. Yeah.
1: Well, and Halliburton on was on the um Zach Lowe mm-hmm. uh podcast the other day. And yep. I'm not sure if anyone got a chance to listen to it, but if you have not yes, and you're listen, listening so to I, this, I, go listen to it. But he made a comment that I thought was interesting that you know him and Darren, he said that they've been having the convos and, you know, they're with each other that they know that it's going to take them plus, you know, the rest of the group that that's, what's going to bring this team forward. But he also mentioned that he thinks Fox is getting the disrespect that guys like Booker and Trey and other ones, you know, Booker more so because he's had years of it, right. Of, Oh, he is, he as good as we, you know, we think he is because his team's bad. Like one guy, right. These one 20, you know, 20 to 23 year old is going to completely change around a dysfunctional franchise, right? It took a guy like Chris Paul coming in to take that next step. But he made the comment that he thought that Fox was getting the Booker treatment. And then until they made the playoffs, he's going to keep getting that kind of treatment. So, I mean, you, these guys talk about it, right? Like they know that they're here and they're not getting the value, Right publicly that they mm-hmm. think they should um oh sorry that they should be getting and so that's right and like you said how how long will that last i mean i yeah. i don't i don't know Yeah, and he's and- he's played so good that same way you know when boogie was here that it's like these guys <laughs> you have guys that are putting up what they're putting up you want to see him rewarded for it And I know that as a fan, you know, it's we don't want to just make the playoffs once. We want it to, you know, it's we want to be multiple years in the playoffs. I just want to see Mm -hmm. the guy make the playoffs. Right. Mm -hmm. Like then figure it out. Right. But at least get past the hump first, then figure it out. But at least you'll stop being the punchline if if you get out of the drought itself.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, w- I, I mean, Jimmy Butler's the only thing that separates Sacramento from Minnesota.
1: Minnesota, right?
0: So they they got that they got that reprieve. They got that one, you know, that that one little reprieve because they were able to, because they're a disaster too. And and unlike Sacramento, they land with number one pick after number one pick after number one pick, or you know, they land with top picks all the time. Of course, I thought what they did this year was a bit stupid, but uh, I'm not in the tanking crowd, so I can't really. I I, I can't really, you know, get hot at them, but damn, when you've got to, sometimes you just got to work to keep that pick when you're trying to get better. And they, 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 they weren't able to do that.
1: But my, they, and they, they love to trade, right? They're they get Mm -hmm. the high picks and they love to trade. And I mean, I guess at the end of the day, they can at least go to cat and say, Hey, we're doing something right. Like we're not, we're not, you know, just sitting, you know, twiddling our thumbs, but I mean, granted, they actually did have the injury excuse last year. I think they made the trade for Russell, and I think I mean, it's like a 15 whole games or something that yeah. him, Ant, I- and Russell have even got to play together. So similar, you know, to kind of Bagley here, but it's like you've got a guy that's supposed to help take you to the next level, right, but they're not on the court to be able to actually help take you to the next level.
0: Yeah. Carl Anthony towns gets a, a lengthy pass for me. Like, I, I don't like he, I, I honestly didn't think he was going to play last year, but, uh, he did good for him. Um, stuff with Russell didn't really work out They They will be an interesting team to watch. I feel like they're a talented team. I wonder sometimes if people look at Minnesota and Sacramento the same way, like, gosh, it looks like there's talent on that team, but they just can't get yeah. it together. Um, Brian, a name that you didn't bring up there a couple of moments ago when you were running through players was Jalen Johnson. Um, I know you and Uh, Kenny have had some discussion about Jalen Johnson. We've had some discussion about Jalen Johnson. You know, the young man from Duke wound up leaving uh, early. People have questioned his commitment to various teams he's been on. But talent-wise, there seems to be an incredible upside with him.
2: Yeah, he's very much a player I hope that Monty McNair has been scouting and had a chance to interview because I know a lot of the question marks surrounding his departure from Duke and I guess really just how he was used in the Duke system are things that we just can't speak to. Um, All I can say is from a physical and skill set standpoint, I absolutely see him as a lottery prospect. Um, The Kings could really use a young, you know, big, strong wing like he and his ability to thrive in transition, hopefully shoot at the next level, rebound at a high level, and be a defensive playmaker. Um, You know, when you just watch his tape, there's a lot to like, but there's also certainly a lot to pause over because nothing on his Duke Shat's Uh, stat sheet can be taken too seriously given the small sample size and I worry that his three-point shot isn't anywhere close to the 44% clip that he shot at Duke Um, and for every fantastic defensive rotation or weak side block that he had he'd have a terrible possession where he looked stuck in mud or he just didn't make the full effort Um, so he's a gamble one I know that not everybody's going to take uh, and maybe the Kings don't have a locker room in place to bring out the best in a guy like Johnson. But if Monty McNair wants to go for a ceiling outcome and one that I think could play you know, fairly quickly, I think that Jalen Johnson is one of the better fits for the Kings needs, in my opinion. There's just so much that sitting on the outside, we just can't answer.
0: He did play two more games than Kyrie Irving did.
2: So yeah, I, I, I guess <laughs> that worked
0: out for Kyrie. Yeah, I, well, I also guess that Jalen doesn't quite have the generational talent that Kyrie Irving had. I mean, Kyrie played 11 games and went number one. Um,
2: yeah.
1: Wiseman, what, had one and went two?
2: Three. Wiseman had
0: so three. three. And, three.
1: Uh,
2: and somehow the Warriors watched uh, those games and said, oh, yeah, he's going to be immediately NBA ready. and told well, everybody poor guy. who yeah. could listen that he was ready to start from game one. And then at the end of the year, his coach threw him under the bus and said, we didn't know how raw he was going to be.
1: Mm. And it's already mm. thrown in all every trade talk possible.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. But I think part of that is because yeah. golden State's swinging for the big, like they're, 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 right. they're, yeah. they're big game hunting as they say. So yeah. it does speak to for Wiseman's name to be included in that. I think it speaks to the fact that, a lot of people in the league see what what you you two just talked about, Brian. Which which you just mentioned the incredible upside that he has. Like m- maybe he wasn't ready year one. Maybe he is raw, but there is something there that I think a lot of people in the league see, which is why he's being mentioned in trade talks. With you know he's he's it's it's not Nerland's Noel for for James Wiseman or hell it's not even Marvin Bagley for James Wiseman. James Wiseman's in a trade package for. Hell, Wiseman would probably be in the Ben Simmons conversation. Like he'd probably like if there was a deal to be made for for Ben Simmons with Philadelphia and Golden State, I'd imagine he'd be a part of that.
1: Yeah, I think it gets glossed over a lot too. How much longer bigs usually take in this mm-hmm. league to yeah. to develop compared to a wing or a guard? Just to get your body, mm-hmm. you know, in the big man shape. That there's few guys that come in. Um, which the guys that are are the ones that are getting paid, right? 20 plus um, a year that the rest it's, it takes them time. What was it? Uh, Boucher. Like his, his body still is like a a string bean, but he's finally getting the minutes and he's what 28 now. Like, and they spent so much time developing him in their developmental league in the last couple of years. Um, Him actually mostly on the bench. And you see it when he plays now, like it was, Development time well spent, right? Um, but not many teams are willing to necessarily wait and put in the time and and develop these guys. Which I think why there are so many plug and play big men in the league too that are constantly moving around. Brian, yeah. Are,
0: are, sorry, go ahead.
2: It's it's a real argument against uh, drafting a lottery big man especially for the Kings, if they're not going to be patient with the dude. Because uh, if you're taking a big man and hoping that you're just going to plug him into Rashawn Holmes minutes, it's just that's just not going to happen. It took Rashawn Holmes four years before he was who he is now.
1: Mm-hmm. So, Unless maybe you're Jericho Sims. <laughs> that oh, dude yeah. is a tank. And he was actually doing a Holmes little push shot. Which the Kings met with them, but he's a projected second-round pick. But still, that guy has the body where you can say his body is seems to be NBA ready. Um, but he still looks very raw in his floaters and you know things like that. But um, I'd say body-wise, he's a pretty close fit to, <laughs> to what makes going a lot out. of
2: sense. <gasps> it makes a lot of sense for Sacramento's 39th pick uh, if he lasts that long.
0: You 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 bring up a good point, Brian, in talking about big men in the lottery. Is is that part of why you look at a lot of mock drafts? Like I'm looking at Kenny's latest right here. You don't see a lot of big men. Like you, I mean, obviously, Evan Mobley is there, but he he's near the very top top of the draft. But yeah. once you once you get further down, is the quality is the quality of player does it does it just drop off, or they're just not good big men there, or is it part of the does, does the risk factor that you were just talking about there, does, does that come into play as well?
2: Well, I think that definitely comes into play. Um, it, it, every team that's going to be in that mid-lottery range is going to have different levels of patience for their guy. But I know that Jill is a big fan of three different centers who could be in the conversation for Sacramento at nine. Um, there's Kai Jones, another dude out of Texas, um, he's a real project player, so it might take him extra time. Um, there's he's Alperin been, Sengun. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Battle through Bradley all Bradley. of these centers sorry in a heartbeat. Froze.
1: But yeah, what? And Kai's only been playing. I think it said basketball for five years now, because he was a yeah. a track star turned basketball player because he had a huge growth spurt. But I mean, that's. But you see, like the crazy athleticism and the height and like some of the fundamentals at least, but that's the thing is like he said with patience, right? Like you're still, you're going to have to be patients because the guys played organized basketball for five years. Like there's still a lot he has to catch up on um, in terms of probably basketball IQ. And in that sense, Um, he's got the, you know, the raw physicality that maybe his body can make up for some things. But I think, at least probably on the mental side, it would be hard to expect um, him to be where some of these other, like uh, Garuba or um, saying like guys like that, where they're they've been playing professional for years now, even at you know at the same age, but they've been playing professional overseas for multiple years.
2: Yeah, but even those two guys, um, you mentioned Alperin Sengun. He's an 18-year-old who just won the MVP in the Turkish Super League, one of the better leagues in Europe. Um, I think he's probably pretty offensively ready, but he's going to be a couple years down the line before he figures out what kind of uh, defensive player he's going to be. And then Usman Garuba from Real Madrid, like you can't find a better team in Europe than a real a better program for a dude in Europe than real Madrid. But he, I just have no idea what he's going to do on offense. So um, I know that there's going to be a whole bunch of mock drafts, mine included, that it's really going to struggle with figuring out where to put those big men.
0: Spring and break. Dr- Drake, you, yeah. drizzy kind enough to join us here on, on the hoop ball podcast. I just want to bring you right into the conversation, Drake. We're talking about big men. You're a a, a a scout pro insight. Like you've 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 scouted guards. You've scouted big men. You've scouted everybody. Is it difficult, or is it more difficult to scout young big men like in college right now? Is it is it more difficult to 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 scout a, an eighteen nineteen year old big man than it might be a, a one or two guard?
3: Um, I actually think it's a lot easier personally, um, in the sense that like. Uh, I feel like a skill set from a center that I like to have, like a big in today's game, I feel like that skill set's a little easier to find than like this super skilled guard that can kind of score three levels and um, score it efficiently. Um, Yeah, I mean, bigs, for me, like what I really want my bigs to be able to do is defend the rim, rim run super hard, set good screens um, and have touch around the rim. Uh, Ideally, they're a lob threat, but I love these like versatile, Big men that can in today's game. I mean, you you watch the playoffs like bigs that can uh, switch onto a guard. Worst case scenario, um, and at least hold their own or like alter shots. To me, is like the most valuable skill. Um, and so you look like a guy, a guy like Rashawn, for example. Like that skill set. Uh, not that a guy like Rashawn is easy to find, but uh, I think you can find like a lot of value in centers like Rashawn with that same similar skill set. Um, And to me, I like to find those types of bigs rather than, like, hey, let's throw it in the post and uh, play off of a a post player in today's game. I just think that, like, um, for where we're at today, I feel like it's a less uh, needed position.
2: Well, I was reading your uh, mock draft on Prospective Insight um, today, and I noticed that neither you nor your uh, co-worker, uh, Henry Ward, drafted any of the big men who – Uh, I don't necessarily believe that they belong in the conversation to pick nine for Sacramento. I'm talking about uh, um, Alperin, Sengun, Kai Jones, Usman, Garuba. I don't necessarily believe that they uh, should go number nine to Sacramento, but you guys didn't have any of them in the lottery. So I just say to you, like, where do you think – um teams can find centers nowadays does it just have to be outside the lottery unless it's a complete game changer on both ends like uh evan mobley
3: yeah i think that like the where you make the uh what's the word i'm looking for um the compromise is kind of that talent level and so you got a guy like evan who uh i could see like if I'm trying to project him best case scenario, you can see like an Anthony Davis type of player. Whereas with the Shangoon or um, some of those guys are just a little farther away from becoming like these dominant uh, bigs. And so um, I also am like, if there's one thing I learned with my time in the Kings and uh, you know, I am much more inclined to just take guards guys that can like really impact the game In in Sacramento's case. Like we don't necessarily need um, that dominant post player and uh we've had several post players over the last couple of years to me it's much more valuable and harder to find guys that can like really impact the game um you know whether they're like elite shooters or guys that can create for themselves and get to their spots like i would much rather take a gamble like that earlier in the lottery um and try and find those like role-playing centers kind of later um or in free agency
0: is there a guard that you really like right now potentially that could potentially be there at number nine
3: my favorite right now uh, is probably James Knight. I think mm. that, like, from a talent standpoint, um, he's, like, really grown on me in the last couple of weeks. But uh, there's just certain guys that I think, like, make the game look really easy. That, to me, is, like, um, I've had, like, moments where I'm watching guys play and, and the game is just, like, effortless for them uh, in a bunch of different ways. And I, I kind of see that with James. Um he's the first one that comes to mind. Cause I think the Sacramento, we just need to kind of get a star, like a stud that can maybe come in and like uh score a variety of ways. And We just need talent, I think. Um, and so him, and then like, I really am intrigued for Sacramento in particular. I really like uh, uh, Davion Mitchell, I think is like a, from a cultural fit. I, I like him because I think he brings what Sacramento lacks and toughness. Uh, I think he's a guy that can play with the ball in his hands, play off of it. But at the very least, I'm getting like an elite two way player that can uh, compete. I know he's going to give it everything every night. He cares about winning. He's one. Um, he's another guy I really like for sack. And then the last one is kind of like a uh, flyer, but I really like this Josh Giddy kid out of Australia. Um, I didn't realize how big he actually is. And when you yeah. watch him play and uh, he's very Halliburton, like um, as far as like his, uh, IQ, his feel for the game, um, and I, I think that like the more basketball players you can put on the floor and have them just figure it out. Like is a perfect example because, uh, you know, in last year's draft, it's like, shoot, can you play Halliburton and Fox together? And at the end of the day, it's like, well, just draft the, the guy that can figure it out and, and can do a variety of things well. And um, he shot it much better than I probably would have thought he would uh, last year. And so. Um, those three are for different, very different reasons are kind of like the three that I think would be really good picks for Sacramento personally.
0: Jill, we haven't brought up Davion Mitchell yet in the conversation. Um, how do you feel about him? That a lot was made about his toughness. A lot was talked about his toughness, particularly during the NCAA tournament and how he could potentially be a great fit for Sacramento because as Drake pointed out right there. This team lacks it severely.
1: Oh, yeah. And I'll be very honest, the first time I actually saw him play was the tournament this year. Um, I really didn't know much about him, but I remember putting it out on Twitter that he just reminds me of a Marcus Smart on the floor. Like that kind of attitude when he's on the floor. Um, So, I mean, I don't know if he's necessarily my number one option, but I can very much understand... The, um, the pick, if they do make that, or if, you know, that's like Drake said, that's something that this team is missing Um, culturally, a a guy that's just going to go out there and is not afraid to come at you. Um, And I think they could figure it out right on the floor. Um, I don't know if his size is going to be that, that much of an issue. Um, we've seen smaller guides, guards excel, you know, in this league when, when needed, when they have that kind of attitude. Um, so I, yeah, I I don't mind him, but his attitude on the court very much reminds me of a, a Marcus smart type type player out there.
0: Brian, what's your evaluation on the, uh, the guard from Baylor?
2: Yeah, I'm not going to have uh Davion Mitchell as high as uh, Drake does. Um, I know that the Kings desperately need some defensive first players. And Mitchell is a truly awesome point of attack defender, was a captain and driving force of one of the better squads in recent college basketball memory. Um, So, you know, in terms of productivity and tenacity and, you know, just safe draft outcome, I can see why people are so high on him. My hesitation when it comes to Sacramento taking him comes... From a few areas, uh, one being while he's a, got great defensive positioning and tenacity, he's like six one and a half in shoes and a six four wingspan, and that makes me worry about him playing big time minutes next to Fox and Halliburton. Um, I know plenty of guards have thrived at his size in the league, but to me, if you're playing, if you're planning to play your three guards in a closing lineup, that's a really small lineup. Um, and I'm not so high on his shooting, especially for a lineup surrounding De'Aaron Fox. Uh, his first two years in college, he's thought a combined 31% from three. This year jumped to 44%, but his free throw numbers stayed relatively the same in the mid-60s. So I think he's less of a surefire shooter than I'd like in a lottery pick. Um, so while I understand it's a bit risky to bet on one of these freshmen and hope they'll be as good as Davion Mitchell a year, I, I would prefer one of the bigger wings, uh, in my opinion.
0: When the uh, college season was still going on, or a, a, as it started to wrap up, one of the names in the in the early mock drafts, particularly after the lottery came out, after the lottery uh, uh, was done, you know, it was uh, Scotty Barnes. Boy, the Sacramento Kings, Scotty Barnes, Scotty Barnes. But uh, Drake, I'm curious from your perspective, Scotty Barnes shot up draft boards and now seems to be a lock at five. And the only thing I, I, I'm i watching at this point is does he creep into that elusive top four? It, 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 it doesn't look like it, but he he skyrocketed up to five. What what did you see from him um, over the course of the last few months that saw such a I, I mean, I guess nine to five isn't maybe that big of a deal, but you would see him eight, nine, ten in that vicinity. Now you don't see him anywhere but five.
3: It's crazy because yeah, every once every draft, I feel like there's this guy. Like, no more games have been played, but yeah. suddenly, like, guys right. will just shoot up from <laughs> like thirteen to. And then now he's, you're right; it seems like he's like a lock at five. Which uh, I don't know. Maybe it's like a combination of um, guys getting caught up on draft stuff like later, and then watching as they evaluate more, they fall in love with certain players or um, they get like real measurements on guys. I mean, there's different variables that can kind of come into play late or you know they hear bumblings of guys killing workouts and then all of a sudden like it's like a recency bias but um i think with scotty like i think the uh the appeal with him is obviously positional size he can kind of play that four three position um but, but another thing i want to say is that like it's so easy for guys to just like put tags on guys like this is draymond green like he's the next um you know, Donovan Mitchell, like, uh, and so that can really help a kid's stock this time of year where they're just like, oh my gosh, that's who we need. We need Draymond. Um, and the things I like about Scotty, I think defensively, uh, he's, he's extremely versatile. I, I love how uh, I, would, I saw him several times picking up the ball full court, like guarding, you know, guards um, comfortably. Um, he played a majority on the ball this year, uh, which isn't his true position, but I was impressed with like at least seeing some signs of like, okay, um, this kid has ball skills. Um, I, I don't know if I'm like, as a lot of these freshmen, I think that, um, he's relatively raw, especially as like a decision maker. But I think that like, uh, from a baseline of skill, um, the elements of him being able to shoot pass and dribble, um, combined with like great athleticism, uh, And again, that like defensive, I think everything that I've heard from like an intel standpoint is like, uh, you know, rave reviews. They they say he's like the most competitive kid, works really hard. And so all that, all those types of things can kind of play into kids draft stocks this time of year. Um, But I think that like from what I've seen in him, I feel pretty comfortable in that. Like, I don't know if he's necessarily a lock at five, but I think he's probably like a top six or seven guy for sure.
0: One other question, as we as we wrap things up, we've gone over a number of different players. Davey, I'm interested in this Book Night Drake. Before you joined us, we talked about you know the Ben Simmons rumor, the New Orleans Noel uh, conversations, all that different stuff out there. Would Lonzo Ball be a great fit for Sacramento? Because I'm of the belief he absolutely would. So I need someone to talk me off that ledge that Lonzo Ball wouldn't be a great fit in Sacramento.
3: I love Lonzo. I think that he would be, I mean, I don't know. And now I'm like, does this fit even matter? Do you just try and get like good players and then let them figure it out? Like, I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm a big Lonzo fan. I think that uh, obviously he has a history with Luke. Not that that should come into play at all, but like, uh, I think he's improved like very quietly every year since he's been in the league, he's obviously become a better shooter. Um, I don't know. I think it really comes down to like what the plan is with Fox in that case. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of curious to hear. I mean, he's if you you were he
0: he sees he see he he has an elite eye for the basketball court. Right. Like he sees things that I think a small handful of players not just in the, in the league now but perhaps in league history like he sees the floor at a really really elite level and i think that even without a massive overhaul to the roster because you know i know we could talk about buddy trades and bagley trades and all of these different things even without things like that you you have the ability i think to improve your team and a guy who could potentially make those two better right maybe he puts harrison barnes in a better position to you know, Harrison was having a career year last year until he wasn't. And things kind of changed for him. Harrison was put in a different position because of injuries and different things like that. I think Lonzo could help in every aspect of the game. He could help uh, uh, free up, get get the ball out of De'Aaron's hands and get him moving around a little bit more. Perhaps find him going downhill, helping him get to the basket, get to the foul line more often. I feel like there's so many things that he can do and he's good defensively. I go as far as to say he's great, but I think he's good defensively. And anytime you could get a good defensive player on a bad defensive team, I think that helps.
3: Yeah, I think that's uh, um, <clears> true. <throat> the other thing about Lonzo that I like, and I think that the Kings desperately needed at times this year, is just a, a, another playmaker outside of um, outside of Halliburton. Like we kind of had that with Bogey a little bit, I guess, but. Uh, having someone that can like make plays for others and make other players better. I think Lonzo's really underrated at that. He has been and um, making the game easier for some of his teammates. And you're right. Like uh, maybe guys like Harrison or buddy kind of, uh, he finds a way to kind of make them better, but it's interesting. I mean, I, I missed the Ben Simmons part, but were you guys like pro Ben Simmons or.
1: It was I think- depending on what was given up. <laughs> <laughs> for yeah, so to bring much.
0: him it's ben simmons is fascinating drake because so many like everybody watches the same player and we all see him very very yeah. differently yeah and, it, and it's like <laughs> oh you can't trade this and you can't trade that and it's like wait a minute this dude has made three all-star teams he's an all-defensive team it's a conversation that we've constantly have on the radio that me and kenny have been going at it about it's like why were why were everybody's eyes wrong why was everybody's evaluation of him wrong now i have questions about ben simmons but i had questions about ben simmons when he was at lsu i had questions about ben simmons when i saw that one and done you know piece on showtime like i i've got my questions but he's a skilled basketball player and to say oh we can't we can't give up that like you've gotta be freaking kidding me this team won 31 games last year and you're telling me we can't give up so and so in exchange for ben simmons it's I, I that that's that's tough for me to wrap my brain around sometimes when we have these discussions but i i think all of us are are pro ben simmons i'm i'm probably a little bit more of what does it take to get him? let's get it done um Versus I think these guys were like, oh, wait a minute. Hey, hang, hang hang on. Let's see here.
1: I'm fine with the players going. I was just one or two draft picks to me are better than three. Or if you have protections or swaps or things like that, you know, on them, I I can understand it. But I mean, at this point, you gotta add talent. Like it it is what it is. It's like you said, we're we're not a good team. So to be scoffing at at talent too is
0: what you're doing isn't working. But, yeah. So maybe maybe do something else. <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> stop trying to do the same thing over and over again. Where where are you? Uh, are you a Ben Simmons guy, so to speak?
3: Uh, I wouldn't say I'm a Ben Simmons guy. Um, but I, I'm open to the idea of him, uh, especially here. Um, I don't know. I, I've been like – he and Giannis are pretty interesting to me. I, I do think that there's a case where, like, if you were to go after Ben – like I would almost play him as like this point forward or center um, and just try and play ultra fast. And if we are talking about pairing him with Fox, like uh, I do think that the, like, I still believe that the way to play with Sacramento is pace uh, and space. And like, I thought that um, the closest we got to being, having showing signs of being competitive was when we just outran teams and uh, we had bigs that can run and, and, uh, shooters that could space the floor for Fox to get downhill and um, play in space. And I think that like, if De'Aaron is going to be that, that franchise player for us and like that to me makes the most sense from like a stylistic standpoint. And so Ben could kind of be that, like it it would be a unique look, but I I feel like I, I'd be open to the idea of it. I just, um, I don't know what it would cost if we have to give up like the sacrifice that shooting for that, uh, you know, playmaking big man. I don't I don't know. But I'm with all of you guys as far as like this is a three time all star, all NBA type player who we haven't had since the market. And uh this is like an all time great time to buy, buy low and um who knows what they're asking prices, but uh I don't know. I'm definitely open to it. I just it would have to make sense from like how they build out the rest of their roster, I think, for me to feel good about it.
0: And that's an interesting thing because I think the player Ben could potentially help the most would be Buddy. Totally, and, but, but I don't, I don't, I don't know if a situation yep. like and that. And what's still. funny
1: is all the the Sixer fans are like, "No, you just send us Buddy, and we'll yeah. keep on. Yeah. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's, well, that's well, it. They
1: they want to. They were like, "We'll throw Harris out there, keep Ben. You give us Buddy. Like, we'll figure out." other ways if that's the name that's coming back yeah
3: yeah the Drake, last thing i want to say real quick draft yeah, yeah. Wise, sorry um the reason I, I i'm high on guys like davion or even my boards are trending more towards guys that are serviceable sooner rather than later is that like i think in sacramento's case or whoever the like if monty is truly in charge uh this idea that like we have four years to see like if jalen johnson will, will become a player or like keyon johnson or some of these like you know polarizing players um, mm-hmm. is just like not realistic uh, knowing the owner. And so it's like uh, for Monty's sake, uh, I think if a, if I can get a guy whose floor is like a Marcus Smart or a, like those types of, like that type of player to me is so much more impactful than like a, especially early on and granted, but I mean, like we never got to see, we never get to see some of these players four or five, six years out because like either, you know uh there's a leadership change or a coaching change or and so i think that like monty and luke's best bet is just like okay what does what is this close to a surefire thing we can get who will be ready sooner rather than assuming like oh we have five more years we just signed a contract we can kind of take our time to build this thing out like i just don't know if that's a realistic um with our yeah. uh, organization
1: on that front too, yeah. what do you think of Franz? Like I'm curious on oh, your that's I mean a he's a name. We he's a, brought up. Yeah. he's a name that I mean a lot of him and Kispert, right? Are 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 similar names that, that people are linking um to the kings, and I think they fall in that category of um they're kind of I don't even I mean Kispert has if people want to say an elite talent, at least in shooting wise. Um, and has to kind of figure it out on everything else, um, but he seems to be pretty at somewhat athletic, maybe more so than uh, in his words, he's more athletic than people give him credit for. And and it works out with Joe Harris and really tries to 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 work that kind of style of his game, which I wouldn't hate a Joe Harris type player on on the Kings. And then Wagner is another name that a lot of people um, are you know throwing onto the Kings because he seems a little bit more now ready. Um, what are your thoughts on them?
3: Yeah, I think that like the difference between the two, I think Franz is probably a little more comfortable off the balance, like making plays. Um, but kind of like things that jumped out to me. And I think, I mean, the hard part now, me trying to like, evaluate. same with you guys. It's like, uh, I haven't seen these guys live. I haven't been in like a workout to see, like, there's, there's so much that goes into like this evaluation process. So it makes it difficult. Like, um, and so like in a pre-draft workout, for example, if I'm watching uh, Donovan Mitchell, who's rated like into the first round, but comes in and just destroys a workout and is the most competitive and wins every drill, wins every one-on-one, three-on-three, like, and it's like, man, this dude's way better. Like that, you factor that, you weigh that in um, in your final decision. And so with a guy like Franz, like the thing that kind of worried me was uh, in games, even I, I got to see him live, but uh, the things that worried me is like when the lights were on and his team needed him, I I frequently, he was just like nowhere to be found. And uh, I, I, you look at the tournament, for example, like um, I was just a little worried by like his toughness, his uh, dependability um, and like, <laughs> this is uh, a disservice to him, but I immediately think of guys like Nefasus, where it's like, oh gosh, uh, this could be the worst case scenario that happens and maybe he's not the shooter that we think he is. And maybe he's not as tough as we think he is. And, um, and for Sacramento's case, I'm like, uh, that worries me a little bit, like the best case, maybe he's like a, um, like a Bojan Bogdanovic type of player where he can kind of like play that three and skilled. And, but, uh, I, I'd like the idea of him. I, I just don't know if I've seen enough of him, like outside of his Michigan, um, environment uh with Corey, i feel a little more comfortable because like my expectation of him is solely as like okay well this guy can space the floor and i believe in his jump shot i don't think he's like much outside of that um but i think he's smart i think he can figure it out positioning wise and kind of understand his limitations very similar like a joe harris he's got real size um but i think like outside of that he's relatively limited um but i do think that like i I valued shooting the most in these prospects. And so if you can add like an elite level shooter and have him playing like a specific role, um, that those are kind of my initial thoughts on those guys.
0: Brian, anything you want to throw in there before we wrap up?
2: Yeah. um, I agree with Drake that my concerns about Franz Wagner, who I like quite a lot, uh, especially on defense, they all come down to he's a dude who just doesn't play with great confidence on offense. He kind of shares Tyrese's instincts that, uh, well, my teammate will probably get a better shot here than I will. Um, and I don't necessarily know that that's the best thing for Sacramento on defense. I, I absolutely love his uh, he's got real solid defensive instincts, uh, potential switchability. Uh, he's got great playmaking instincts for his size. Um, so it, to me, he's a dude who'd come in and be pretty ready on one end of the court and then have real question marks on the other. I do want to say I think that there is a middle ground here in terms of you know taking the safe upperclassmen and gambling on uh you know a a more raw freshman like I might like Zaire Williams, that dude out of Stanford, a lot. I think that I'm going to like him a lot more than Monty McNair would because he's probably going to need to spend a year in the G League, get much more ready physically before he's ready to play in. But I think there's a balancing act to be found in this draft. Um, Moses Moody, I think he can come in and play pretty quickly. Franz, I think he could come in and play pretty quickly on at least one end of the court uh josh giddy i think could come in and play pretty quickly on offense he's got to figure out what he wants to do on defense but i think he'd come in and provide value pretty quickly uh, and i share uh Drake's appreciation for james Booknight. um i think he'd be another dude who you know he's not going to come in and be quite as ready as some of the upperclassmen but i think he's that middle ground of higher upside and uh ready to go so there's a real uh curve here in terms of guys who in the king's range who'd come in and provide uh an immediate 30 minutes a night kind of value and guys who i think would fit better with the kings in two three four years that you don't necessarily need to be like as patient um so uh, i think there's a real metal ground to be found here
1: we did have one more question from someone online, though. They wanted to ask uh, Drake who his kind of targets in the second round uh, for 39 were, if you have any off the top of your head. I know you said second used to be your specialty, so
3: um,
1: <laughs> if there's anyone that you think that they could maybe jump back up right into, like, a, I don't know how far a, a Trey Murphy or something would fall back, but, like, is there anyone that you would maybe want to see them? leap up for if if that was the case
3: yeah i mean a couple of names that come to mind and granted like i i'm not doing this full time so I, I used to love like the 60 <laughs> to 150 range because i'm like oh this is where i can get gabe vincent or like I, how is this guy rated so low it's like those that was the fun the most fun part for me but even in this year's draft i've got like uh to uh to your point i feel like um the Brandon Bostons that might be able to slide down. like some. That's where I'm like really willing to take a gamble on like these younger players who are a little farther away. But if you're drafting them at 39, it's like, why not? This is a great chance to take a swing and set, put them in your G League program. Let them slowly develop and like create a plan for them. Um, Greg Brown's another young freshman who I've seen kind of in that range that I think would be a great like project player. Um, did I say Jericho Sims already? Uh, you we mentioned Weisscamp. him earlier, so that's good. Okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, yeah, Weisskamp, uh, David jo- Johnson, Herb Jones, Austin Reeves, N- nemius Cada. Like this, I- in that range, it's either okay. I want a project player that, like, I have a, a plan for that I can project out, like maybe two, three years down, being like a Wenyin was like a perfect example. Like maybe he's a two-way player that you just kind of put on a. Uh, a development plan or like an older guy that i can like snag and maybe i can actually get earlier minutes from him um and so some of these like upperclassmen i think are like uh ideal targets in that 39 range for so it's either like a guy falls and it's like shoot let's go get him um or like someone i can play right away or someone that i think is like i can project out a couple years from now and um see them playing a role so i think that's kind of my strategy and yeah, everybody has different strategies, but uh, whether you two-way a guy like at 39 or you roster him or – I mean, there's different ways you can strategize. But, uh, yeah, those are a couple names that I think are interesting.
0: I That's agree just with – a couple uh, of weeks away. Go ahead, sorry. Brian. Sorry.
2: I, I agree with uh, all of Drake's uh, picks there. Um, a couple others I like, JT Thor if he manages to fall. Yeah, uh, Kes- I know. Kessler Edwards from Pepperdine, he's one of my favorites if he falls. Love I, Kessler, know you, yeah, I know that. you love That's him part. too. So, um, Josh Christopher if he has any chance of falling, like he could be a real microwave for Sacramento. Um, one of my favorite veterans would be uh, Jared Butler for Baylor if he I somehow going to 39. Yeah. Who they just had dinner needs, with apparently. Yeah. <laughs> I know he needs clearance from the NBA to play regarding his heart condition but I think he's a proven shooter, a good passer. I think he brings a lot of the intangibles that we all love about uh, his teammate Davion Mitchell just at 30 picks later maybe. So
0: It's good stuff. That's Brian West, the Kings Herald Drake you. Thanks for joining us, man. We know you uh you got a job job. Uh, and <laughs> you you do this stuff for fun, so you carved out some time for us, man. We 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 really appreciate it.
3: Nah, I appreciate it. this. This Kings community, I've been following you. I mean, I grew up here, so I'm a big Kings fan. And so it's cool to see, you know, Bryant, Jillian and yourself. Like, uh, I love being a part of these conversations. So anytime you know, you guys want to chop it up or yeah, talk hoops, I'm always down.
0: Good. We've got an eight hour show over on ESPN 1320 <laughs> on draft day. Everybody on this screen will be getting a call. Um, thank you all so much for listening make sure you uh subscribe rate and review and make sure you're locked in here for more episodes of the hoop ball podcast here on the hoop ball podcast network
1: you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel